Greetings, I'm Steve Van Cor, and this is the FCCMA Podcast, a service produced by and for the Florida City and County Management Association. I'm your host. In each episode, we interview a city or county leader who's in a position to share interesting and useful insights into the operations of local government right here in the Sunshine State. So I'm doing something I've never done before. This is our 67th episode, and we do, a, you don't know this, we do like an off-air before we get the show going, kind of a run-through we want to talk about. But our next guest, we were just having so much fun. I said, Andy, just stop talking. Because I just want to do this on the air because this is fun, it's listenable, it's educational, and I, I'm not even, this is this is totally cold. You ready for it, Andy? I'm ready. I'm so ready. the first thing he says to me is he goes, I'm, between the two of us, we're really experienced at doing podcasts because you've done a lot of them. I've never done one. So, But on average, right in the middle. We, we've done 67. <laughs> and so, uh, by the way, you said something really interesting as we were just getting ready to load up. You live pretty far from the city you work in. How does that work out? I do. I, I've been a manager in Southwest Ranches for 10 years. And Southwest Ranches? Southwest Ranches is Broward County, southwest corner of Broward County. Uh, but about six and a half years ago, I moved up to Delray Beach in Palm Beach County. So I drive 40 miles each way back and forth, which really works out well because it, it actually gives me time to either decompress or spend the time on the phone with my elected officials. So getting, it's, getting it's downloads. useful time. It's and useful you know, time. it's actually probably not, I'm going to guess, not bad traffic because you're on, the, what's it, the sawgrass? What goes up the west side? Uh, yeah, I, I take, actually, I live very close to the turnpike in Palm Beach County, so I jump on the turnpike right away to the sawgrass uh, down to I-75. Uh, the good news is, although it's 40 miles, I have three traffic lights to get to my office. So... It pretty You're much moving. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, unless it's raining really bad or there's an accident. Generally speaking, I can do the 40 miles in 40 to 45 minutes. So it's I, not I, awful. And, you know, it's funny. I got to tell you, I will get in my car sometimes on a Sunday afternoon. Like uh, I spent a lot of time in Broward County uh, driving back and forth and stunned how I could be on a work call, work calls the entire time. And so your 40 minutes, you know, you can still be very productive while you're driving or downloading and listening to the FCCME podcast on your way back. I, 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 I do that as well. So I'm guilty <laughs> as charged. But uh, the nice thing about the commute is, again, if I, if I don't have anything going on, it gives me the, a little chance to decompress, maybe get caught up on the news. But my elected officials, they know that they can get me then. And they also know they can call me then to discuss whatever their issues may be before the day or, or, or at the end of the day without interrupting me during the course of, of the normal day-to-day -day business that, that goes on that we need to take care of as managers. So, really, so really it works an, out well. Yeah, it actually really works an out advantage well. to modern, to the way the modern world works, and not like the old days. You, you were stuck in the car. You were That was downtime, right. uh, you know, surfing FM radio or whatever. Um, so funny, as I, I said to Andy, I said, Andy, uh, let's talk about some of the things that you're passionate about. And he just handed me, bam, I got 10 common sense leadership lessons learned for long-term success. Cue, cue the 10 common sense leadership things. Let's go through them. Sure. They're, they're, I, they're I, I think number one, and, and this is, they're not in any particular order. They're all things that are very important, but let me start off with but number wait, one. Our yeah. last guest had an acronym. So it was BOAT. He had four principles, B-O-A-T. I have already forgotten what they were. B, uh, uh, offer solutions, I think. Uh, be an active listener and something else. But yours, you got to do that. You got to kind of put a, a thing on them, you know. <laughs> well, I, you know, I started to work on this, you know, in anticipation of coming in and chatting today. And, uh, you know, I, I look back on it and I said, you know, what am I going to talk about for a podcast? You know, what do I have to say that somebody might want to listen to? And it, it can actually can be an intimidating thought of what am I going to come in here? What am I going to chat about? And, and so, you know, I spoke about it with my wife. I spoke about it with my mayor who said, 
oh, I know what you need to talk about. And I said, what's that? He said, you've been doing this a long time. You see change in elected officials. You've been mm -hmm. successful. You need to talk about that. And I thought, okay, well, all right, well, that sounds good. Now, how do I do that? And, and then it became, well, let me just kind of come up with some basic principles, some guidelines, some things that I think... Consolidating things yeah. that's been floating around yeah. in your brain, okay. Yeah, there were, there were you know, I, before I got into the public world, I, I was in the private sector, and I, and I had some reasonable success. And, and I, I never thought that it was because I was particularly bright. Uh, you know, I worked hard, but I, you know, I didn't think I was any smarter than anybody else. But, but I, I met with some good success. And when people said, well, you know, what are you doing? I said, well, it's really just common sense. And I learned probably in my late 40s that what I thought was common sense probably wasn't so common. And so I started to, to really think about that and, and, you know, how I approach things. And, and you know, the goal was to just let's, let's try to simplify. Let's, let's, you know, take those complica complicated issues and let's kind of drill down. What, what's the you essence? Know, you know what's cool about that? Because, like you said, you've listened to the podcast. I, the, the, I'm, I'm intrigued by the pathway that people take to get to become you know, upper management in local government. And they're so diverse. I mean, our last guy was a, started out as a marine interrogate, interrogator, okay? Uh, the pathways there are diverse, but I think what you're saying is the ability to simplify things, understand complex systems, simplify them, and then you can move them or, you know, implement them is, is, a, critical, is a critical element to success. I, I think the more we're able to simplify the complex issues, the better we're able to communicate those and, and find understanding with people. Sometimes I think we as managers will default to the complicated and, and, and really get bogged down in the detail. And so when we have a conversation with our elected officials, with our residents, with our staff, we revert to our safe zone, which is the detail in the data. And, and, and I think we're better served sometimes when we try to move away from that. Let's take the most complicated issues that we have. Let's try to simplify those down as best we can. And when because things are complicated, isn't it easier to say, well, it can't be fixed because it's so complicated? And it's almost like an excuse not to do something, right? Well, this whole issue with that brownfield, it's got water flow into it and water flowing out. We got to work with the water management district. We got to get with the county. We got to do this. We got to do that. And there's a reason to just say, you know, we, we, th that's unfixable because it's so complicated. And so the hard work is really in simplifying the problem. Right. Right, because that's that's how you get buy-in. That's how you get understanding. That's how, you, how, you how you're able to communicate. It too. Uh, well, without a doubt, without a doubt, and and you know, for me, that's that that's worked out well uh, so far. Uh, I'll be in my position ten years tomorrow, so I, I guess I've got some track record to speak of. But you know, having come well, that is good because you know, we, as we know, through no fault of your own, city managers are moved uh, without. Rhyme or reason sometimes, 10 years is, is quite a career. Well, you know, we, we know, and, you know, I, I believe the government is, it, it's really, to me, it's the ultimate team sport. And, you know, I, I've got certain, you know, some examples that maybe we'll go through during this. But, but I will say to this, you know, to, I'll say this to you. If you have a problem with your baseball team, it's a whole lot easier to fire your manager than it is to fire your 25, you know, players. So uh, we're often hired to well, be I'm fired. So steal that. Well, I mean, yeah, seriously, yeah. because we, we, we've interviewed city managers who were let go and their things were going well. Right. And oh, one person didn't like it or this new commission came in and said, we're going to do things differently around here. Even though we're being successful, you're right. right it's easy to fire the manager than the 25 right. players. You want to change the leadership. You want to change the culture of the organization. Even if things are good, uh, sometimes they want to send a message. And, and so managers, you know, we can be victims of the politics. We can be victims of our own success. Well, so, and, and, you know, we, we talked with, uh, about um, 
Bertha Henry, you know? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, and she was notorious for being the blockade between the commission and her staff. And so if something breaks, that also means she's got responsibility for that. And things break all the time. Certainly. Uh, and, and whether you're accountable or not and have those good relationships. Um, but good. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, so I love your number two. That's what made me you know, laugh. Look for the humor in everything. And I'll, you know, I'll, I'll go back to number one and say what we do is very complex. It's very complicated. And the responsibility of what we do matters. It's really important. I, you know, it's our elected officials, our residents, our staff. There, there's what we feel like sometimes like the whole world is on our shoulders and, and we need to make the right decisions. And so we need to take our responsibilities seriously. But the one thing we, we, we can't do or shouldn't do is take ourselves too seriously. I think it's very important to look for the humor in any situation. I mean, my staff will will know that I, you know, if I think of something funny during a staff meeting, I'm going to let it out. I, I'm going to be appropriate. Uh, I'm certainly aware, you know, boundaries and 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 guidelines. But but within those boundaries, I, I'm going to try to make them laugh. And if I can make you laugh during this during this podcast, I'm going to go for it, Steve. <laughs> uh, the relationship that I have with my elected officials, it, it it's. To me, it, it, it fosters a closeness. Uh, it builds relationships when you can do that. And, and, and personally, I think it's good for certainly my own mental health. You know, if I you get know, through I, a day and laugh a few times, that's a good day. No, absolutely. I, I, I remember reading that, you know, humor is uh, a way to open people's hearts, right? Because if you're laughing a little bit, you're, I like you a little more. My heart's open. Now I'm going to be more receptive to your ideas. But I also recently read something that said, when you engage humor, it shows two other things, which is intelligence, because the ability to be witty and respond, but it also um, uh, kind of relaxes the situation to a point where people see confidence in you. Because if you can laugh or make a little joke, and I'm not talking about something disparaging or harmful. Oh, no, of course not. To no. show, it shows a higher level of understanding, and it shows, oh, that, that person understands what's going on here, well, because I, they, I, they, they had the capacity to make a joke about something. No, no, I like that comment. I'm sure there's people who know me who might disagree with that, but, uh, <laughs> but, but I appreciate the comment. Well, talk about building and leading a team. Sure. Uh, you know, I said before, government's the ultimate team sport, and and, and your team, in order to function at a high level, needs to come together. They need to play well together. We, we've all seen sports teams that, on paper, look like they should dominate another team. When Dan Snyder took over the Washington Redskins, I'll never forget this, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. um, brought all the best athletes. And, you know, everybody who was on free agency just spent a bundle of money. His theory was, I'm going to bring them in at the highest level, I know I'm sacrificing the future because of salary caps, and I, they had a losing record. That's right. what Deion Sanders, right. And right. all these I rock shows. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't that. a team. It was just a, a collaboration, uh, not even a, a, a conglomeration of really talented people. The, the fit matters. How the team comes together matters. And, and so, you know, I learned a long time ago that I, I actually spend more time in my life with the people I work with than anybody else. And it, it's really... I'll say selfishly speaking, it's important to me that I enjoy that time, that that team comes together well, that they work well together. And, and I think they're, they're far more productive. I think morale is better when the team functions well together. So, you know, from an interviewing standpoint, if we're, if we're looking to hire a position, I'll give you an example. We recently replaced our, our town financial administrator uh, who retired after 10 years. And, and so you go through the application process, and you get the resumes in, you get the letters, you start looking through it, and it's very easy to decide who looks good on paper. And you can interview, and 
sometimes that that bears out. Sometimes you may shift your thinking a little bit based on the interview process, yeah. you know. But in this case, we brought in our, our our final selections, and I had to meet. I had them meet with three people from my finance department. We conducted a second interview, but not with me, not with my management team, but with finance staff. And, and so, at the conclusion of, of those interviews, well, that sends a clear signal to them that they matter. Yes, certainly. They get to choose the next person, but also how they interact with that person. Because I've been in situations where somebody worked for me, and they presented this incredible face to me. Right. And I loved this person. She was fantastic, very responsive. And I found out after six months, everybody else on the team hated her because she was a destructive personality. Right. And then I had to make a decision to fire her, which I did, because I realized the team mattered more than this one person who was taking care of me but really being a, a toxic force in the rest of the building. So your strategy there, which I've never heard before in the interview process, how did that work out? It, it worked out well because following those interviews, I met individually with all my finance staff to find out what they thought and to get that feedback. And so we, we used that. We, we kind of processed that. I got together with my assistant administrator, and we sat down, and we really talked about our feedback from the interview process, what we saw uh, on paper, and, and then what we saw and, and heard back from the staff. So we made a decision, we made a recommendation, we advanced that to council, and, and they made a hire uh, because it's a, a charter position, so they need to be hired by the council, but we made the recommendation and, and, and they followed through. And we started this, this new person uh, mid-April, and it, it's been outstanding, it's been a really good fit. And you know, you, when you're replacing somebody who's been in the position for 10 years, it's, it's really difficult. You don't know how staff is going to respond to that. So right. the fact that they participated in the process was, was really, really helpful. You know, it's funny because we, a lot of what we get out of this is, is what I call intentionality. You, know, you hear a lot about diversity, equity, inclusion. You got to, in order to do that, you have to be intentional about it. Yes. In order to have a team approach is not just a word on a board. Hey, we're a team. Hey, go get me my coffee. Um, hey, we're a team. I make the decisions here. Um, so you, you did something very intentional. You said, I'm not, you could have just said, I interviewed this person. I think Joe is the best for the job. Send Joe to the council and be done with it. You said, no, I need to be intentional about one of my core principles about team. And you said, Hey team, uh, I know you guys are busy, but this might be your new boss. You interview and then come back to me and tell me what you think. And I'll send up the recommendation based on what the team thinks. The intentionality there is what Right. And it worked out. And the team was, they were united. They they all felt the, the same choice. on the choice on the well, that's choice, good which, which makes it easier. If it oh, oh well, well you, you work through that challenge as best you can, and and then it comes back to communication. Then you get together with your staff. You say we're you know some of you like this, some of you like that. We're making the decision. Here's the decision we're making. Here's why. But I didn't have to do that because they were on board. They were excited about it, and and after losing the boss they had, you know, for for as long as he'd been there. Uh, Staff has responded incredibly, yeah, just it's incredibly to well. Accept and it's somebody great to onto see. the team that you help choose. I right. mean, you know, I, I get a new boss, you know, roll my eyes, but this right. way and this way, hey, right. I got a new boss. Right. This boss was my my decision making. Yeah, and we, you know, we're, we're a small we're a small town. We're we're how many uh, staff? We have fourteen full time staff. We got a couple of part time staff, but we subcontract out for code and for building services. Okay. so their people are in. So we typically have. 22, 25 people in the building at any one time. Wow. So I, I really try to work hard to foster kind of a family environment. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, people get along well. Sometimes they get annoyed with each other, just like at home. I can get mad at my wife. She can get mad at me. We get over it. You know, it's, it, it, it's family. You work through it. Uh, they, they, they know each other well. 
I, I'm, I'm pleased to say they care about each other. They work well as a team. You know, if we have somebody out, other people step up. And, and so trying to foster that, that, that positive atmosphere, that, that, that environment ha has worked out really well. And so we've got some people who've been for a long time. You know, with turnover now, we've actually got some staff that, that's been there for, for, for a number of years. We've done a good job of hanging on to people, and that's something I'm particularly proud yeah, of. Yeah, you know, it shows in low turnover. And my gosh, you know, we learned in the 80s and the 90s when we started, like, quantifying management right. that low turnover is, is the money shot, right? It's the most, Golden. one of the most Golden. important Golden. things. Yeah. You cannot replace an experienced employee fix what's broken, help repair what's broken, improve what's, you know, could be made better. But starting from scratch, the gap, the vacancy, the dynamics, now obviously if someone's toxic, but if everything else is fine, it's a, you, 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 you nurture those people and they, and they stay a long time. And, that, and they know each the other, bank. they work well together, it works out well because they feel that they're part of a team. Yeah. And, and so, you know, we've got some other things that we'll, you know, that we'll talk about as, as, as we go on. That, that helps to foster that buy-in and, and that sense of commitment. Excellent, so, excellent. Let's keep going. Care and feeding of elected officials sure. and staff. Uh, I, to me, this is one of the most, most important things. And, and this is, I think, an area where new managers can get in trouble. You know, I, I have five elected officials that I work for now. In the 10 years I've been there, there's been five others. So I've worked for a total of 10 elected officials there. They're not all the same. Wait, we need to repeat that. Yeah, Andy, they're not uh, folks, all this is the Andy same. Burns breaking. <laughs> not all elected officials are the same. No, they, they bring different skills, different interests. Different viewpoints. Different viewpoints, different agendas, good or bad. That's, I don't mean that as a negative. Yeah, right. you know, sometimes it's a negative perception. I didn't mean it No, that somebody way. comes in, I want to clean up the environment. Yeah. Somebody comes yeah. in, on affordable housing. Somebody right. comes in. Although they, affordable housing, no. Not, not, not our community, but that's, that's another podcast. <laughs> so they, they, they have different priorities. And so we as managers need to understand their priorities. And, and I can tell you that one of the areas where, where I've been most successful is by not treating them all the same. And, and I think it's important to say that I, I treat them equally. I treat them fairly. I treat them respectfully. I, I'm, I'm consistent across the board. However, I'll respond to them differently based on their needs. But you, you treat them individually, even though equally, in other words, everybody gets the call returned, everybody's agenda is, is put up there, but individually. 100% equal, but I'll respond to them differently because their needs were dif are different. In, in some cases, they like a lot of data. In some cases, they don't. In some cases, certain things are priorities, certain things aren't. Sometimes... Uh, the level of communication, how we communicate, you know, matters. So, uh, you know, I, I, as a manager, try to respond differently to them. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Yeah, please. Uh, you know, and, and this is an example. I, and, and when I try to explain this to people, I'll say, all right, do you have kids? Or do you have multiple kids? And they, say, oh, they always like, yeah, oh, yeah, you know, I got, I got two. I got three. Okay. I said, do you love your kids equally? They say, yeah, of course. I said, do you treat them all the same? And then they smile and they start laughing. They're like, no. I said, because they have different needs. So you, to be a good a parent, really good example. have to respond to your kids. And, and, and so you treat them fairly, you treat them equally, but you don't treat them the same because our job is to respond to differences in them and be flexible to meet them where, where, yeah, where we so, need to be. Some commissioners love the individual constituent service yeah. and they have, hey, I got a neighbor who needs a, his trash can removed, whatever, or a ditch needs to be dug out in their house because it's flooding. Right. And that's all they care about. And then they, they gloss over the agenda. 
They go, yep, whatever, Andy, if you think it's the right thing to do, we're going to do it. That's, you know, category A. Category B is the person who has yellow sticky pads all over the agenda and wants to know every detail about everything and doesn't yeah. really yes. get engaged with the local individual neighbor politics of it. So they're all different, but, and they bring different skills to the table, and that's good. Right, and we, we need to respond to their needs, and we need to meet them where they are. If yes. I wait for them to come to me, I'm going to have a problem. You know, it, it is funny because it's the old, uh, in my business, a lot of times we, we have a joke about, well, we have two jokes. One is if they didn't screw up, they wouldn't need to hire us. But the other one is, you know, these, these damn clients can get in the way of our work. Uh, and a lot of times, that's, right. I could see if you're in city manager, town manager, that the elected's needs can, get, can interfere with your work, right? Hey, I'm right. trying to get the CRA set up so I can redevelop the downtown. We're going to go get the sewer system. i got to meet with a bunch of engineers. Oh, now i got one of the elected's calling. God dang it. You know, Put everything wish, else on hold and deal with that. Yeah. yeah. yeah, you, yeah. You're saying is you got to. That's what we're there for. Yeah. You know, if you're in the number one They're city, not if you're, you're the city manager, you're the town administrator, that, that's, you know, that's a key part of what we're there for. And you get yourself, you know, you can get yourself in trouble if you're not paying attention to those things. I'm not saying that that everything stops and, and and you have to jump, but but you need to recognize where their needs are, what their priorities are, and try to meet them. And and to back up, I use the children uh, story as you know yeah. to illustrate that. Just want to point out, I'm not I'm not calling my elected officials children. <laughs> <laughs> For the record, they're, they're all adults. No, that was just that was just an example. But, but it's a it's a really good example. I have three you right. know three boys. I, you know, it's funny as I always tease that the youngest is my favorite. You know, we just and everybody gets the joke, and the right. youngest hates it the most because like, oh, here we go, dad. You know, yeah, right. but you, you, it's a really good point. You love them all immensely. Your heart is completely full with love, but yeah, you have different relationships, and they're all treated very uh, differently. Um, and electeds, and but your staff same way. A a absolutely, and and, and and we are calling our staff children. I, I would never do that because they're going to listen to this. So I would never do that. But it, it's and it, but it is the same thing. You know, it, we're we're now managing across multi generations, for example. Yeah. So expectations are different, responses are different, and, and so if we as managers kind of lay out a rigid line and say, this is it, this is how we're going to do it, and everybody needs to, you know, to, to meet me on the line where yeah. I am, we're not, we're not going to be successful. That's when you're going to have turnover, you're going to have morale issues, you're going to have other problems. So if you take the time to, you know, to, to know your staff, to work with them, if your staff knows that you care, uh, that you're understanding, uh, it, it helps immensely. So yeah, it we, really we does. need to recognize, to be successful managers, we need to recognize that anybody we deal with uh, they have different needs, different I'm, expectations. I'm going to take a guess on something. Because of the distance you have to travel, you generally leave sometime 5, 6, sometimes 6.30, uh, and then get in the car and work for another hour on the way home. Yes, that, that, that's not at all unusual. You know, we'll spend a lot of time in the evening either on the phone, answering emails, reading through some things I need to read so through. So a lot of people, so, yeah. their, ident their, their definition of, you know, bonding with their staffs to go out and have dinner and a drink. I'm guessing you don't do that. I don't. I, I, I'm, I'm very mindful of appropriate professional boundaries. Yep. So I, I do not socialize with my staff. I mean, th there's the occasional lunch for a special occasion or something like that, certainly. But, but I, I'm not friendly with my staff to, to that level, boundaries of the I, I, I don't go out. We don't go out for dinner. We, you know, but that's we don't do other things. Yeah. We'll do team building things where I'll do it. We'll do things with everybody. But I don't try to pick and choose like favorites to go socialize with because I think that's inappropriate. I, 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 I'm glad. I'm glad. To, I'm, glad I'm glad I brought that. I'm glad that was your answer because I, I, I feel exactly the same way. Well, you can yeah. you can be loving, you supportive, 
uh, friendly, in, interactive, engaging, bringing them on the team. Right. But that doesn't mean you got to go get a martini after work with them. No, I, I spend a lot of time walking around the office, you know, just trying to take everybody's temperature. If I have a question, you know, we're a small building. So if I have a question on something, I, you know, I may just get up to stretch my legs, go for a walk and say, hey, you know, what's going on with this? So I, I, I have a sense of what's going on in most of their lives. Be, because I care, because I'll ask, yeah. and because they'll tell me. But you're not going partying okay. with them. Uh, uh, yeah, again, respecting professional boundaries, but that doesn't mean that you can't care about your people and show them that you care about them. I had a boss one time. It was a big deal for him to go out to dinner with you, like like you were somehow honored. Right. And then when I had young children, I'm like, dude, I just really want to go home and be with my kids. I like right. you, but I was right. with you for eight, nine, ten hours today. Right. I don't need to add another two hours on top of that. So it's it's almost uh, it's almost a negative. So. Uh, at this pace, with ten items, we're going to be four hours into the podcast. All right, so let's I'll try keep, to pick no, it up. Let's I'll try to pick along. it up. Encourage your staff to disagree with you. I, I just disagree with that one. Well, you can disagree all you want, <laughs> but you'd be wrong, and, and you're entitled to be wrong. Uh, I, I feel very strongly that none of us ever learn anything from those who agree with us. And, and, I agree. And so, uh, I encourage my staff. Like, uh, if we're discussing something, and, I, and and I may lay it out, I'll try to summarize it, and I'll say, if I'm wrong, tell me. You know, what, what am I missing? And, and, what, what am okay, I missing? Let's be intentional, right? Because yeah. oh, if I'm, I'm wrong, oh, yeah, tell be. me yeah. can, be a, a, can be an aggressive statement, but I could yeah. t- I'm looking at your body language. You meant it. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And, 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 and they got to know that. My staff knows that my office is a safe space. Now, I, I, have, I, I have one department director who will know who she is when she hears this, that, that I have had probably more heated discussions with her over the last 10 years than with the rest of the staff combined. And, and I can tell you that I value those discussions because I know that she cares about what she does. And, and I know that she's going to tell me what she thinks. So we're in my office. The door is closed. You know, we can have a great conversation. I'm going public with it now. But, but we can have a, a great conversation about something. I know at the end of the conversation it's my decision to make on, on how we might handle something. She knows that and she respects that. But... When she feels strongly about something, she's going to tell me. And, and she and, feels free to tell you. Again, intentionality. Yeah, it, it, it's a safe zone. I mean, it's, you know, I, I've referred to, you know, my office is Las Vegas. So what happens in there stays in there. Uh, sometimes I treat it, it's the confessional. So that, that is, for anybody who comes in, elected official, staff, anybody, we close the door. It's a safe space. I, I, I want any of them to know they can tell me whatever they think, and, and we'll work through it, and we'll resolve it, and we'll go for it. Sometimes they just want to vent. And that's okay, too. Yeah. You know, it's interesting about that, and I've learned this over the years, is if you, if somebody comes in and now sometimes there is, they can just be wrong. You're like, you're, you're responsible. You're like, we're not doing it that way. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate what you had to say. I listened, but we're not doing it that way. We're going to do it this way. On the other hand, if it's 50-50 or even 60-40, you're better off as a manager saying, okay, Joe, we, we're going to beat on Joe today. Sure. Okay, Joe, um, we're going to do it your way. And I'm going to support you 100% on that. But this isn't the way I would have chosen, but you've made a compelling argument, so let's do it your way. So guess what happens when Joe leaves that office? Joe is bound and determined to make sure it's going to happen correctly. Yeah, Joe's going to own it. Yeah. Joe's going to own it. And, right, and, right. That's a, and, and when it's a 60-40 situation, I'm more likely to give it to Joe to say, Joe, go ahead. This is your baby now. You make it work because now Joe will stay over time and do whatever it takes to make it work. But that, and that also comes down to one, one of come back to one of our basic responsibilities as a manager is to empower our staff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if you're doing everything, you're not a good manager. You, you you can't micromanage and do this job effectively. 
you know, at, at some point you've got to have trust and confidence in your staff. You've got to hire the right people and you've you got to put them in position to succeed. And part of that means they, they need to be able to come to you and say, hey, here's how I see this. And, and, and you know, have a good heart to heart discussion. From 16 to about 25, I worked in the restaurant industry and I can walk into a restaurant to this day and immediately tell you if it's a well-run restaurant because look at the manager. If the manager's standing around just checking stuff out, well-run restaurant. The manager's running up and down, right. doing things, poorly run restaurant. Attention right. to detail matters. Nine times out of ten. And delegation. Yeah. If, yeah. They, if, they, if you walk into a Burger King and the manager is serving food to work in the register, that's a very poorly run restaurant because he should not be doing right. that. Right. And if he is, it means things are broken. Right. So to your point. Yeah, the, the goal is to delegate anything you can to a staff to develop them so that you can focus on the things that you can't delegate. Exactly, exactly. Uh, be the manager you'd want to work for. Yeah, th this has kind of been a staple that, that I've tried to live by for, for as long as I've been in management, even going back to my is private that original? sector experience. Have you? No, you, that's, that's the, that is original. Yes, I really like that. And yeah. that seems like something you'd see in a management book somewhere, but I really like that. That'll be my next career. I'll work on that book. <laughs> uh, no, that, that's, that's something I feel very strongly about because, you know, by the time you reach a certain point in your career, uh, we've all worked for good managers. We've worked for bad managers. We, we've learned the good lessons. We've learned the bad lessons. And, and, and we need to be aware of those. Because I remember in my professional career, when I worked for other people, when I reported to other people, I was always aware of their body language, their, their comments, how they spoke to me, how they treated me, how they responded. And, and so when you're the staff person and you're reporting to somebody, you're very, very aware of the person you work for. And, and I think to be a good manager, you, you can't lose sight of that. Because you've got to know that that's how your staff is looking at you. And, and so how, how would you want somebody to treat you? If you, were, if, if you were no longer sitting in the number one seat and, and you, know, you had to take a few steps back, and so you're reporting to somebody else, whether it's departmentally or city manager's office, whatever, how, how are people going to treat you? And, and how do you want them to treat you? I, I don't think we should ever lose sight of that. And, and so I, I'm very aware of, of how my actions, how my words hit my staff. You know, it's interesting because I, I tell my staff all the time, um, I, you know, someday we won't be working together. Right. Whether right. it's 20 years from now, 10 years from now. But for whatever reason, you know, I'm going to retire at some point. You might, you know, I want you to look back on this as the best job you ever had. And I was the best boss you ever had or coworker you ever had. That's my I don't know if I'm achieving either of those, but that's my goal. And I want you to know that. And it's funny because I, I, I'm an adjunct at Florida State University. Right. And I tell my students that I want this to be your best class and I want to be your best professor you've ever had. That's my goal. Right. Uh, whether I achieve that or not is different, but I'm going to seriously make an attempt to do that. And the funny thing about it was I was talking to the administrator who oversees our program, and he says, I get a lot of students to say you were the best professor they ever had. And I said, well, first of all, I cheat the system by raise telling them. Raise <laughs> exactly, the awareness. Exactly. Right, right. But, you know, I said, that's my goal. And to, to your point about be the manager you'd want to work for, you're telling your staff, look, I'm going to try to be to you, you know, Jesus' golden rule, right? I'm going to try to be to you what you, you would want me to be and what right. I, how I would want to be. So right. We should I, always I, be aware of that. I, re I really like that. Um, communicate clearly. Let's hit that one. Well, I'm going to touch one other thing. Sure. Just be, before, when I started as a manager, and, and, and this was really one of the things that, that was a driver for me for years. I mean, now at 10 years, it's, it's a little different, and my, my, my legacy is, is established. But one of the things that w was a driver, was a motivator for me, was I was going to do everything I could every single day to make it as difficult for whoever followed in my footsteps uh, 
you know, whoever came after, I, I, I wanted to be as perfect a manager as I could be to make it that much harder for somebody to follow me. I love that. I love that. It's positive, but it's, yeah, yeah. and you're, you're, you have a fictitious enemy that drives you to say, I want to be the best I can be. That's, and, and I came in every single day, you know, that was kind of the focus that I came in because, you know, what you did yesterday doesn't matter. I mean, at this point, it's, you know, what are you going to do today? And, and, and so it, 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 it's that awareness to keep driving forward positive and, you know, how can I be better today than I was yesterday? But, you know, circle back to the top of the list, which is look for humor and everything, which is enjoy the ride, right? Yeah. Which is, you, you, that, that's, that's the larger thing, which is get in there, enjoy what you're doing. Because let's face it, you could take the, the commute as a negative. Sure. But your entire body language, your, your eyes, what you're talking about, it, you've turned it into positive. I could either use it for wind down time, relaxation time, catch up on my podcast, do the job Right. Of talking to my electives because, you know, all of them need to hear from you on a regular basis. And, and as somebody who's worked with a lot of elected officials through the course of my career, you could do that endlessly. Oh, uh, yes, so we, without we, a doubt. Which by definition means you're never really doing it enough. So using that drive time to get on the phone and call them and speak with them. Uh, works out pretty well. And I'm hoping you put in the budget a, a car for the city manager. <laughs> <laughs> or at least new tires every year. I'll take that one back, Steve. <laughs> I'll take it under advisement. All right, let's, we, we're, I'm getting the cue that we're, we're almost out of time. But let's go to the last one. Because uh, we just did a whole podcast. You don't know this. We just, the whole last podcast was on listening. Techniques okay, and tools funny. of listening. So, yeah. And that's well, so okay. number eight is have plenty of staff meetings. Number nine, listen. But this is, I love this, accept the blame, give credit. Yeah, that, that's another key principle to me. I mean, as managers, we, we're all familiar with the accept the blame, give the credit when we're dealing with our elected officials. Something good happens, they get, they get the credit oh. with the public. Something goes wrong, blame staff. Of course. You know, that, Back that, of the that's, house. It, it, it's a, it, they overcook your that's steak. Just, that's, just, that, that's just how it works. It was, yeah, exactly. Perfect example. But it all, that also applies to your staff. You know, there's manage, you know, there are some managers out there who want to get, get out in front. And, and, you know, I'm a hero. I did a terrific job. Uh, none of us are successful in this business without a good staff under us. And so uh, I will try to make it a point of always, always, whether it's publicly in a council meeting or, or otherwise, making sure that staff has the right acknowledgments and, and recognition because I think the council needs to understand, the residents need to understand, it's not just about the manager, that, that it is a team sport, that it's an effort, and, and we can only be as good as the staff underneath us. And when those people are doing a good job, we need to sing their praises so, as well. So the example is you applied for a grant, you got the money to build a new, you know, to dig up some ditches that were flooding on mm -hmm. the thing because you guys are right on the edge of the Everglades. Right. Might be an actual example. And you assigned a staff person, they went out, they did the research, they filled out the grant, they get the money. Right. You're at a city council meeting and the commissioner says, hey, uh, Andy, thank you so much for getting that grant. That was a really good job. That saves the city money. And you say, commissioner, with all due respect and love, I want to let you know, our director of finance, Sally Jones over here, it was all her. I had very little to do with it. She did a great job. That's absolutely what we've done. And in every case, I, I'll do that every time. And, and my council is very aware of staff members and what they do and what their contribution is. And, and, and to my, you know, from my viewpoint, it, it, it makes me more successful at what I do 
because I'm acknowledging the well, people what, who what are doing it. With that I'm, not, I'm not trying to take the credit right. for somebody so else's work. Your staff person loves you for that. The commission loves you. They get what's going on. Right. Hey, that was your staff person. You hired them. You supervised them. You told them to go get the grant. But you're giving credit. It makes you look even better. But on the other hand, it makes being a city manager, town manager, the worst job in the world. Because if something breaks. Well, then it's our fault. It's my fault. Yeah. Because you can't yeah. blame the officials, yeah. the electeds, because that's what you're there for, yeah. to protect them and to make them look good. And they get to cut the ribbons and they get to put the shovels in the ground. You ne- the moment you start doing that, right. you're usually a short timer. The moment you step in front of the mayor and go, let me take this one because this is really my project. Yeah, yeah screw you. No, you're out of here. Right. So on one hand, you can never take the credit for the good things, either upstream, the mayor gets it. Let's right. use it as a metaphoric example. Or downstream, staff gets it. But if it's blame, you got to protect your staff because they'll love you and appreciate that more. You got to protect the elected. So you, you, you only get the credit when something's broken, but you don't get any of the credit when something succeeds. It, it, it can be a very fine line. <laughs> well, 100%. It can be a very fine line. But, but, you know, in all sincerity, what I've learned in our 67th interview with city managers, and I've been around city government for a long time, it does take a special servant's heart to be a city manager or county administrator because... You want to do really cool things. You like the challenges, the diversity each day brings, the differences each day brings. You want to do good things in that community. But you don't have that ego to want to get the credit. Uh, I laughed the moment they name a plaza after you. That's usually, you know, I live in Tallahassee. When they named Bobby Bowden Field, I was still the coach. I'm like, dude, this means leave. <laughs> I love Bobby Bowden, but it was clearly he was, you know, older and he was starting to lose a lot of games. And, they named something after him. Was like, okay, buddy, we got the next guy. We it was time, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, Andy, thank you so much for being here. This was a lot of fun. I'm so glad we did it spontaneously. I'm not going to try that with anybody else, though. <laughs> uh, I think they'll do just fine. I think managers are pretty flexible. <laughs> yes, yeah. That's that's also like got to be rule number eleven: be flexible. Yeah. Thank you very much for coming on. Appreciate thank you. It. Much appreciated. Thank you. Enjoyed it. This is Steve Van Cor, and this has been another exciting episode of the FCCMA podcast, a service produced by and for the Florida City and County Management Association. Thank you so much for being with us.